This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. I really feel like I might be able to make the argument that Tom Brady has had three Hall of Fame careers in his one career. The man won three out of four Super Bowls, and then some years went by, and he won two out of three years. And now, if he wins a Super Bowl with Tampa, he will again, after that, have won two out of the last three Super Bowls. We're about to put Eli Manning in the, in the Hall of Fame after winning two Super Bowls. The man is insane. Jesus. Welcome to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and swearing Chris Cody. And I want to say one thing. All right, we're looking at a Bucks chiefs Super Bowl, right? Brady against Mahomes. Like, that's the story, right? Like, I hate to cut you off, but like... But you did. No, the story is Brady the goat versus Mahomes the goat in waiting. But look at what we've seen this week with Brady. Drew Brees retires, or he's about to retire. Philip Rivers retires. Matthew Stafford is being traded. Aaron Rodgers was just defeated. All of the other old goats are fading away. And here's the 43-year-old goat of goats just reigning again. It's unbelievable what we're seeing in this lifetime right now. I mean, you can talk about anybody else, and, and pardon me for my voice, you can talk about anybody else. It's really bad. Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Serena Williams, ain't nobody right now who's a goatier goat than Tom Brady. What is Bill Belichick? What is that conversation like <laughs> at his house, like last night? Put yourself there. Like, what is he saying sitting on his couch? Can you hear the airplane? Yes, I can. I'm like outside in my backyard. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's guys, it's Sunday. Like my kids are my wife running around. Um, I'm outside. But like, honestly, tell me what Bill Belichick is sitting on his couch saying to his spouse. Like, why did I let him go? Why didn't I make him feel more loved? Why did I let him get to the point where he was like, I don't want to be here anymore? Yeah, I think. Why um, wouldn't you have written that out and made that guy feel good? Like, I know this isn't the day for that discussion, but it's just like, that's what I think about when I see this. I'm like, Tom Brady wins. Like, like oh, man, crazy. If he's being honest with his wife, I effed up. If he's being dishonest, he's like forcing a smile and going, I'm so happy for Tom. He deserves it, even though he doesn't mean it. I don't know. Like, I'd be curious if he says I effed up. Uh, look at what he went through this season with uh, I think to Belichick, Cam Newton. Honestly, I, mean, I, I would not be surprised if Belichick like didn't even watch this game tonight and is just working on a trade for Matt Stafford. <laughs> he can do both. He can multitask. But but he is uh, he is motivated, though, to uh, to not uh, recede and to uh, come back and prove that he's not dead yet. But that you are right, though, like as long as Mahomes got through, that's going to be a six Super Bowl, even if it was Roger. Excuse me. I burped. I'm outside and now I just burped. Um, if, <laughs> if it was going to be Rogers or Brady, that was going to be an awesome like as long as Mahomes got through, we're going to have a good Super Bowl. No, it's, it's a classic. I mean, and, and by the way, in, in full transparency, Greg Cody in his NFL picks in the Miami Herald with his bad went, voice went 0 and 2 this weekend. That's right. He picked Green Bay and he picked Buffalo in an upset and he got kicked on his ass. Chris, so I want to uh, be yeah, honest I mean, about that. I mean, did you at least like put the caveat of you were expecting maybe Mahomes not to play when you made the pick? 
you know, that was part of it. Yeah, that was part yeah, of it. And, and honestly, part of it was that I don't think this Kansas City team is as good as last year's team. Now, uh, I, I think maybe I've been, maybe I'm being proven wrong, but yeah. that was part of my thought going in. So okay. anyway, I'm, uh, you can't see me because this is a, a, an audio thing, but I'm limping terribly. I'm like, I'm practically on crutches because uh, Dan Campbell ate one of my kneecaps. <laughs> sounds so, like he, it sounds um, like he ate, he ate one of your voice caps. It's just, what is going on here? This is, that, that, my that, voice has been so much better lately. It's funny. Um, I saw Sarah Spain kind of like, cause you know, everyone was celebrating that press conference and right. Sarah Spain, which is, you know, which is the job of someone in Sarah Spain's spot is like her job is to, you know, you know, make you maybe think a little differently. And she kind of just went at him that like, she doesn't really see that. Like, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing. I did not like listen. Like I, I think I saw, I heard a clip that she posted about Dan Campbell and she was basically kind of saying that like, now, while we want to say football is this macho, I'll eat your kneecaps kind of sport, the guys that are the best at it are the strategists and the smart guys. So, like, she doesn't think, well, it's good press conference that, like, if this is really, like, the answer for, like, to run your your, your business, essentially, is what a football team is. And it's like, you're, you want a guy that's telling me he's going to eat my kneecaps. Okay, we'll see how far that gets us. <laughs> right. It was just an interesting because no. cause I was like, I was a sheep following the herd, kind of just like that's fun sound. I love that he's, and then she's like, this is this guy. Like, I don't want. She didn't call him an idiot, but she's basically just like, this is not what wins Super Bowls. This kind of thinking, the macho thing. Yeah, you you can't uh, you can't change culture. And and Detroit last won a, a championship pre Super Bowl era. It was like 1957 or something. You can't change a half a century of culture with these macho bromides like he was pewing. I, I sort of agree with Sarah. I was um, interested to hear him say all that because it was so ridiculous. But, you know, she, she's right. I thought it was funny, though. Um, can I circle back to last week's Levitar show for just a second? Am I allowed we, to say no? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll override you with a pocket veto. The back of my day thing last week annoyed me and, and hurt me and angered me enough where I, I need to bring it up briefly on my show. I did a back of my day that was more serious than usual. You know, most of my back of my days are just, just for laughs and they're silly and they're lampoons and parodies really about how angry I get about technology and such. This was one that was actually... Uh, a serious reminiscence about my childhood and comic books and baseball cards and stuff like that. And um, it was received in a way that, that hurt me and shocked me because I expected Levitard to say, whoa, uh, that was a curveball. We expect silly back in my days and here we got a sentimental one. But instead it was um, received in a way that that was just awful, I thought. And um you were a part of that. And uh, I, I should say that since that, I've got a great outpouring of support from fans of the show and fans of mine. And um, you tweeted an apology to me. Levitard was kind enough to give me a personal apology. And so uh, I'd like you to comment. <laughs> I'd like you to give me an apology now. No, no look, no. look I, I mean, we did speak on the phone yesterday where I did kind of like apologize right. to you. Yeah, it was after. after fact, right. Yeah, it was after I tweeted it. But look, OK, 
I know that in the, like, and, and I don't know if it's going to bother you here. It's like more of a needle if I'm going to like steal a Dan phrase here, but both things can be true. W- regardless of like whether the, the back in my day was funny, well received by us or was good or not, like to your standards, whatever we, the way we reacted towards it was mean and over and unnecessary and just harsh and not, right. it fell on the wrong side of, of mean. Agreed. So that's, that's a thousand percent true. And I am sorry for that. Um, but at the same time, and we spoke on the phone yesterday and you, with a, with a laugh, you kind of implied that I was right about this. I a thousand percent believe that you did not intend to write that for it to be funny. I think it didn't go over very funny. I know that listening back to it, you've pointed out a laugh or here, a laugh or two from Dan, you know, in dissecting the, the audio. But I think that you wrote it. It was nostalgic for you. I can't believe that it was this heartfelt for you because I gave you the idea of it less than 24 hours before you wrote it. So it wasn't something that was heartfelt and in the week in the works for weeks. And this was this touching thing for you. I told you about it like the day before and you made something of it. I think that you are pivoting when it was received the way it was that you intended it to be this serious back in my day. And I just 1000% after all the conversations we've had, don't believe that. And that's just where we are. I'm sorry for how we treated you. But I don't believe you intended that to be a okay. serious back in my day. Uh, all right, you're uh, you're backtracking on your apology. No, you're I'm not. I, yeah. I said it's two yeah, things. I are. am sorry. I am sorry the way we reacted to that back in my day. Regardless of whether you meant it to be funny or it was funny or it wasn't, we shouldn't have been mean, and I shouldn't have wrote in the chat that they all can't be winners. And Dan followed right. my lead on that. Like I right. led, the, I was the leader there, and I'm sorry. 100%. Right. But are you? But you can't. So like I'm acknowledging that you're right about that, but you're not going to like, I just don't believe that you wrote that to make it a serious back in my day. I think it was a heartfelt topic to you that you intended it to be funny and it just kind of wasn't that funny. So you're saying you threw a curveball and wanted to write it serious. I knew when I was writing it that it was uh, more serious back in my day than probably right. anything I'd done. And maybe I'm and, wrong, but that's and just... the fact And the fact that you... Uh, mentioned, hey, comic books would be a good back in my day. That triggered something in me. And then, as you know from listening, uh, it wasn't just about comic books. It was about a bunch of other things in my life that mattered. It was about how when you're growing older and your childhood is running away from you never to return, that you look for proof of that childhood. And 40 years from now, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. I, but you I didn't, appreciate that. Okay. Uh, you didn't that day. I and, apologize. And, and and audience, don't fall for his raspiness being emotion. His voice is just right. bad right now. Yeah, it's just terrible. Uh, I'm not emotional right now because I'm over it right now. Can we, it doesn't seem like you're over it. Can we, can no, we move it, on? It meant, it meant enough where on my podcast. You're just trying to talk about this so we can publicize it and get clicks out of it. That's why we're talking about this right now. Um, we've, already had the, we've already had this discussion on the phone. I'm talking about it because on my podcast, I want to be very transparent. Uh And if I'm upset about something, no matter what it is, uh, I want my listeners to know about it. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to move on. Yeah. Moving it. Moving it. And should we tease what could or could be, could or could not be, might be an upcoming 
podcast, dare I say, concerning the PFBI gala. <laughs> um, well, you just did, so. I would absolutely love it if most people listening right now had no idea, the hell does that mean, PFBI gala? But I think most people listening to us have heard it from the Levitard show. At any rate, the PFBI gala is coming up, uh, we hope, this coming Sunday, and we hope that on the next podcast, it'll be there. It'll be featured. We want to basically have the PFBI gala, and then we're going to assess whether it's worth your time. We're going to... Yeah. <laughs> right, that's true. We don't want to guarantee that we're going to give you the entire PFBI gala, because it might just be incredibly boring. It might be terrible. So, uh, you we'll will... See. You, I can guarantee you will hear part of the PFBI gala, and if it's really good and entertaining, you you could hear a large chunk of it, so... It, and you only hear it here first. So if you're interested in the PFPI Gala, tell your friends that it will be <laughs> available uh, in the next week or two. Like it's that either next week's episode or the following week, we'll let you know. That's right. But uh, meantime, the Miami Heat have COVID sniffing dogs for pants. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. I mean, I assume like that those dogs are good at it. Like I imagine that they better be. Had, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a little bit dystopian. To have uh, COVID sniffing dogs, but I guess I, I guess I approve. I guess I'll I mean, if, if I knew what dystopian means, then I would. Uh, I know utopian means perfect. So dystopian is that? I'm gonna just use. I'm gonna try to like do a little get. Like, does that mean the opposite of perfect? Is that the opposite of utopian? I would say dystopian, oddly enough, is pretty much the opposite of uh, utopian. Well, there you utopian go. Utopian is an ideal. Dystopian. Look is at me, like knowing. Look, look at me knowing a word. You're a smarty. More than they give me credit for. <laughs> That's probably true. Is that all you have? You never know. I love when you run out of stuff. Like you don't have any fill. You just stop talking and look at me. You're right. Like, I do. I like do there's, that there's on... no like transition right. in your voice. Like, all right, I don't, uh, you know, I'm coming up. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I do that on all air. <laughs> Levitard air. Uh, my podcast air. If if I'm done, if I got nothing else to say, I just close. And you my feel lips. good about it too. That's the part. You give this look of like you're welcome, like you're quiet and you're looking at me. Like there you go. Right. I mean, what else? Do I got? <laughs> what, what am I going to filibuster? I'm going to start uh, pontificating nonsense. What are we going to do? Uh, probably transition to the next part of the podcast. All right. Which is what? Which is our interview. Oh, the is it, did we even talk about him at the start? I don't think we did. All we right. needed to. The people know. The people know he's here. That's my bad because this is the Whistler. This is not a Whistler. This is not any Whistler. This is the Whistler. It's a dying art, man. A my dart. dad used to whistle. Yes, a dying art, a dart. Um, Let's just up, get to it. We don't need a whole spiel. I just want to say I grew up in you, a whistling you told, family. You, you, told, you, you say this in the, in the interview. Did I? Yeah. did I say that my dad used to whistle... Um, Pardon me, boy. Is this the Chattanooga choo-choo? Won't you carry me home? I want to carry you home. By the way, uh, I know it feels like I'm under attack here. There's like cars driving by, airplanes flying. Uh, Robert Stemmons, he was awesome. Um, midway through this interview, he references, you know, he like like anyone would know it, like another famous whistler. Yeah. And in there, I believe its name is Fred Lowry. And in there, you're going to hear you're going to hear a Chris Cody 
give a very confident i know yeah, yeah i know who that is and i want you to know that i am lying there i have no idea who fred lowry is i apologize to robert stemmons the whistler i imagine he's going to listen to this i i just got caught up in the air i wanted to seem cool for the whistler so i said i knew who the fred lowry was and i don't but i've googled him since robert stemmons so don't you judge me i have learned about fred lowry since and i appreciate his heart but uh, yeah, let's let's get to the Whistler, Robert Stemmons. We're speaking with Robert Stemmons, the Whistler. This gentleman is a professional Whistler, born in uh, Tulsa, but uh, now living in in uh, Idaho, way up near uh, Spokane, Washington, in the uh, in the Northwest. Uh, Robert, thank you for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Before we get started on on your background on on how you got started in in whistling, um, let me just ask you what you do right now. What does it mean to be a professional whistler? I know the pandemic has changed everything, but in the best days, you would what perform live? You would give concerts. What what does it mean to be a professional whistler? Well, in my case, um, it was, and and the pandemic pandemic is uh, mostly to blame right now, but it was a, um, you know, it was a job. I, I did uh, a lot of concerts um, at a lot of places. I've recorded several CDs. Um, I've done all kinds of interesting things. I've given whistling lessons. Uh, <laughs> I've done whistle grams over the phone where, you know, call somebody up and whistle happy birthday or uh, something or other. That's really yeah. cool. Um, now, since we are a sports show here now, so I want to like get into the mechanics of the perfect whistle now. And also, I don't want to put you on the spot at some point during this thing. We're going to have to see you flex your muscles a little bit and you can put on. I don't know how long you do it for. We'll just let you go. And we'd love to you know, hear you perform for us. But before we get to that, let's tease the audience a little bit. Um, just the mechanics of the perfect whistle. Are you licking your lips before you do it? Are you blowing air out are you sucking air in can you do both is it like what give me walk us through the, the the tech the proper way to whistle well the way that i teach people to whistle you know if they haven't ever produced a whistle and they don't know how to get the note i tell people say ooh and keep the shape that your mouth makes when you say ooh, ooh. and then blow gently ooh. wow, wow. I just almost whistled a little bit without even trying. Look at you. And and it's um, not everybody's going to get it their first try. In fact, uh, you know, a big percentage of them won't. But you've got to keep that shape and then just make little minuscule adjustments uh, and find the note because it's there somewhere waiting to happen. And yes, I do either lick or, you know, moisten my lips somehow. I think I just did it with coffee there. Dry lips are, uh, you know, kind of a hindrance to whistling. So So sucking in is not a real whistle. Actually, it is. Uh, I do both during performance. Um, Now, I tend to lean on my intake. Do the pros call it intake and outtake in terms of like blowing or sucking? They may call it anything. It's uh, there's not really a set thing. That's what I call it. and I know others that do, but I'm sure there are plenty of others that don't. So, well, I mean, I, I'm going with your word, so I'm going to call it intake and outtake from now. Oh, on. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, so <laughs> I'm going to be check, checking up on you. To make sure you do that. <laughs> so, if you're putting on a long performance, um, you must get winded. Like, do you do lung exercises? Like, how does that end of the the business work? Well, uh, ironically, the whistling is the lung exercise. 
it's great lung exercise. Um, when I go in, uh, actually, they don't use these anymore, but the, the doctor's office, you know, you'd go in and they had that thing with a ping pong ball or whatever that you used to blow into, or they'd have some mm-hmm. way of registering and they would always get wide eyed when, you know, I mean, I think I got nicknamed blowhard or something, you know, <laughs> but, because uh, the whistling has uh, built up my lungs so well. Okay. How many whistling puns do you know? Boy, I haven't counted. Haven't counted that. (laughs) As far as now, you know, judging us other whistlers as a professional, uh, like at at a sporting event, the guy who throws his hands in his mouth and whistles with the is the hand cheating? How do we feel about the hand in the (laughs) the mouth with it? No, the hand is actually legal, and I uh, have known people that can make wonderful music that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. Now, it does tend to have a little bit of a rasp sound, but it, in, uh, you know, so does a saxophone, you know. Right. So right. if it's used in the right way, then it, it can be rather pleasant. Uh, so you really do look at this as like an instrument. Like this is you singing, essentially. It's uh, I, I look at it as a wind instrument, but rather than being comprised of uh, wood, plastic or metal or some combination thereof, it's comprised of human components. And uh, therefore, it's very individualized and uh, no two whistles are really exactly the same. So um, you mentioned uh, the hand being legal. What's illegal? Like like I'm picturing when I was a kid, like a little piece of grass (laughs) that you're like blowing on and whistling like that's illegal. Like what's what's an illegal whistle? Uh, That's when you uh, pick up a I'm looking for a for a whistler. I've got one around here somewhere. I can't have to find it right now, but uh, uh, when you uh, use a, an object that is made of wood, metal, or plastic, or something else, you know, stone or whatever, but uh, uh, grass, uh, I don't know, that's kind of borderline. I tend to like the old grass whistle, so uh, I would allow it. I don't know about anybody else. We're, uh, we're speaking with Robert Stemmons, the whistler, and um, Robert, is there group whistling, like like in a like the whistling equivalent of a barbershop quartet or a, uh, a vocal group? Gristling. There, there have been quite a few. In fact, uh, I had uh, 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 some friends that uh, we did a uh, kind of a quartet type thing. Um, I played drums. Uh, one of the guys played guitar. We all sang some, and then we would insert some whistling, and part of that was harmony, and it was a lot of fun. Robert, you do bird sounds as well, right? Wow. <laughs> that was a bird saying, damn right I do. <laughs> I'm in an aviary. Yeah, let's lay out a little bit here. Why don't you flex for us a little bit now, Robert? We've, we've gone on long enough here. I also want to give you a chance to promote. Uh, I'm just going to tell you my website, and you can go from there, but uh, it's thewhistler.com. The problem some people have is they forget to put the T-H-E in front of the word whistler. So if you don't put T-H-E Whistler, and you, you just put Whistler, you get the ski lodge up in <laughs> British Columbia, close by where I'm at here, and uh, yeah. it's a real nice place, but it won't get you to me. And it kind of tells the story, because you are the Whistler. Well, I uh, there's people that think so, and uh, I know some other great Whistlers, so I, I just, uh, I've had that handle. I think we all, anyone that's whistling seriously... Uh, winds up going by the whistler at some point so you're modest robert i I like that see what i've got here now i actually have it warmed up very well let me get another warm up here okay 
Okay, I think I'm ready. The Whistler. Wow. That was fantastic. He's good. I mean, that was that was bona fide. This guy can do it. He can put those lips together and part them slightly and do great work. Um, I'm wondering, Robert, the Whistler, uh, what's the difference between like a bird call and whistling? Well, quite often there is no difference because the, the a lot of birds make whistling sounds, uh, although I believe they do it with their throat rather than, uh, you know, with uh, wind and, and uh, mouth. Uh, I think uh, whistling is probably the earliest musical instrument known to man, unless you want to count singing maybe, or humming or whatever. Maybe, maybe early man did some of the, that, but uh, uh, quite likely uh, he, he tried to mimic the birds. And it's probably the most commonly played musical instrument of all. I know I've, I've kind of tested this just on my own uh, with audiences uh, during performances. And I'd uh, say, well, how many of you have ever played piano? Uh, how many of you have ever um, played guitar? You know, I'd, I'd list a few instruments and, and usually a few would raise their hands. And then I would say, how many of you have ever whistled at least one note? And almost everybody, you know, I mean, a, a large percentage yeah. of hands always come up. So I have to assume it's the most commonly played musical instrument. But at the same time, it's probably one of the, if not the, it's definitely one of the least regarded uh, because most people just don't take it seriously at all. Hmm. And I got serious with it when uh, a whistler named Fred Lowry, who was very famous at one time uh, during the big band. I've era, heard of him. Yeah, he actually headlined Carnegie Hall twice. Wow. Well, after his heyday, uh, he was out doing uh, the school assembly circuit. And he came to our school. When I found out he was there, I was really excited. And, and uh, his performance sounded better than the albums did. It was just incredible. That inspired me to get even more serious than I was at that time. My grandmother whistled. My uh, older brother whistled. I think the postman whistled. A lot more people used to. Sure. There's a uh, uh, kind of a stigma that goes with whistling in, in some places, at least. It tends to happen in a lot of uh, office situations where somebody annoys others with their whistling and so uh i don't think that helps uh, the reputation of my instrument you know it's a stigma uh, yeah a stigma. yeah exactly and it, it uh, so i <laughs> do my best to try to keep it uh, professional in appearance and i try to encourage other whistlers to do the same robert i wonder if you could whistle uh, a little bit of a a song that uh, a popular song that that everyone would recognize, whether it's, you know, whistle while you work from the Disney movie or a Beatles song or just something that where we would all go. Wow. Yeah, that's I know that song. <laughs> Love that show. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> now that talk about whistling. Uh, that that Andy Griffith show helped put whistling on the map, right? It's probably the most listened to whistling song of all time by far. What are your thoughts on Flow Riders whistle? Slow Riders whistle. Flow Rider, the rapper. Oh, gee, I I have heard that. I don't think I can bring. I want to make you whistle, baby, whistle, baby. Let you know, I'm I'm terrible at singing. I'm just seeing, I'm hearing. I have my to head. hear it to get it kicked around. I have. Yeah, that. I'll email it to you. You let me know what you think. Send me back your thoughts on "Whistle" by Flo Rida. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, right. what yeah. about uh, the Bobby McFerrin song that I grew to hate because it was played so much? <laughs> uh, don't worry, be right. happy, or be happy. Don't worry. What was it called? He's really good. I mean, seriously, that's a song I hate, quite frankly, because because it was ubiquitous on the radio when it was popular. How can you but, hate that song? I'm so with like everybody. Everybody loves that song. That's yeah, a classic. You know, I hated it. But to hear him do it, to hear the whistler do it, it uh, resonated. It was great. And uh, I'm wondering uh, how Robert Stemmons went from simply enjoying whistling and being good at it to turning the corner and understanding that, hey, this is something that could be my identity. This could be a living for me. How the hell did that happen? Let's see, it was about 1994. I was working as a school custodian at a school up in uh, Kentwood, Michigan, suburb of Grand Rapids. And uh, I was whistling as I pushed my cart down the hall and the music teacher overheard me and she came out and asked if I'd be willing to do a song for uh, a spring talent show that they had at the school. Uh, it was mostly students, but occasionally staff members would join in and do something. They just had a lot of fun with it. And so uh, she uh, laid down a little blues music background and I, <laughs> I just uh, jumped in and, and uh, the uh, response to that was so strong that I, I knew I could do something with it. Wow. So I began to um, really work on it and uh, get more serious about it. And um, I think my first paid performance was after I had moved back to Tulsa. I, uh, I booked a, uh, I think it was just a nursing home for 25 bucks or something like that back then, you know, and, and went and did that. And that went very well. And one thing led to another and I, you know, just got more and more shows. Eventually I had uh, worked my way around to where I had whistled in 35 states and about four or five provinces just traveling around doing shows what did you do i saw it, that you've been with that you were with cirque du soleil oh, yeah. for six years what did you do what did you do with them well i actually uh, was hired because of my whistling but uh, they hired me to uh, be a character actor i played the part of a ringmaster like a, a, a circa 1930s italian ringmaster uh, with the whole garb and everything i I've got pictures of it, but anyway, the name of the show was Corteo, and I, I was with them for a little over six years. That's a pretty wild ride.
has whistling ever been used to like, you know, land a date or impress somebody out there? It results in very strong lips. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying. Give me the stories, Robert. Where have you been at a bar where you are? See, like, like now this may be an outdated thing. Back in the day, there was like, you know, maybe in 2020. I'm not sure. We don't might not do it anymore. But when a, a pretty woman would walk by, it'd be like, whoop, whoo. Like it'd be a whistle, though. Okay. Is that something that you ever used or a, a real whistler doesn't use that? Or like, that's that's what I'm trying to get at here. Um, what I like to do with it is if you get two gals going by. And you get them both at once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. How do you do that? I, I really actually, ser- seriously, I, I do refrain from that. I don't, I don't think it's really, it's just not polite. I mean, it, and, it, and it, it doesn't reflect well. It's one of those things you see in movies, but it's nothing that ever actually works in real yeah, life. Yeah, there's a, quite often a slap will follow that one. You know. <laughs> um, when you're doing a performance at a, at a nursing home or somewhere where it's an older audience, um, do people get emotional when they listen to you? Because if you're whistling a song that strikes a chord with them from when they were young, maybe they're whistling along with you, or maybe you see a tear in their eye. What's What's been a reaction like that that's that's been emotional for you? I've had a lot of that, actually. It's good that you bring that up. One incident that really comes to mind right off from that was a lady down, it was down in Texas, uh, was doing, it was a retirement community. And she just, she was just in tears and, and she came up after and said it was Tennessee waltz mm-hmm. and, and her husband and her used to dance to that. Oh. And uh, it just, it, I guess it just really got her. Sometimes whistling can, it, it not only kind of gets into your ears, but it can get into a, a person's heart as well. That's honestly really great of you that you go to like, whether you're getting paid for it or not to, to retirement homes. Because I remember when my dad's mom was in a retirement home and we would go visit those people are so yearning for just anyone to come and like do anything different so i imagine that they love that that you do that and i imagine it gives them like i imagine they get so much more from that like than you even realize and then we're gonna get you out of here and dad did you well have i else? wanted uh in 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 closing robert i i wanted to ask you a a very small favor we began our podcast uh last march so we're coming up on our first birthday as a podcast, oh, okay. and I, I wondered if you would whistle "Happy Birthday" to the Greg Cody Show podcast. You're gonna make you're gonna make him perform. Like we've we've asked him to do enough. You're gonna it, make it him do it again. It would be my distinct honor if he would. I'll just leave it at that. Just give give me give me a give me the signal to start, and I will. Whenever you're ready. All right, thank you, Robert Stemmons, the Whistler, thewhistler.com. I tell you, it is, I've had a lot of career highlights when you've worked as long as me, it happens. Having the Whistler whistle happy birthday to me. I mean, we're on a roll right now. The Snuggler first, and then now the Whistler. I mean, who's next? 
I'm like, telling you, tweet us, crazy. tweet us who you want us to talk to next. We feel like we're on a roll right now. We want to ride this hot streak. But seriously, <laughs> let's bombard this guy's website. Let's show him love. Yeah, show him love at thewhistler.com. Greg Cody Show Army. And um, Christopher, are, are we prepared to make a big announcement about the whistle on his Robert behalf Simmons. announce it for yes. him. I mean, look, this guy, um, it's a tough business right now for the snugglers and the whistlers out there. And this guy is genuinely talented. So I'm prepared to make the announcement for him that he is joining cameo. I know you were Whoa. thinking it during the interview. I need Whoa. to get this guy on cameo. The whistler will be joining cameo. I'm not sure if his, uh, you know, cameos up and running yet, but I know it's in the works. So look out for our man. Robert Stemmons, the whistler. I'm sure he won't be expensive. So check him out on Cameo. He will do any kind of message or song in whistle form because he's really good at it, man. Like he is oh the gosh. whistler. I've never heard a better whistler. No, it's great. And and let's, hey, people, podcast family, let's bring whistling back. I feel like we could just let the whistler do it. We don't all have to whistle. All right. I think we all should, but uh, that's fine. That kind of thing. Listen, be... <laughs> Before we move on to Mount Gregmore, and it better be a good one. Christopher has a lot to prove after yeah, last week's effort. It'll be, it'll be great. Um, I actually want to talk about death a little <laughs> bit, if you don't mind. Uh, death times two. And we try to make everything funny, including death, which is weird. But um, Hank Aaron passed away at 86. One of the great players in baseball history. And when I say that he was underrated, it seems crazy to say that about Hank Aaron. He won one MVP award, which is insane. Um, he, he had, you could make an argument that all time, you know, Babe Ruth, you talk about anybody. Hank Aaron is on the Mount Rushmore of all time baseball hitters. And honestly, um, I was a Willie Mays guy. Willie Mays and Carly Stremski were my two biggest uh, sports heroes growing up. My first ones. Uh, but Hank Aaron what he put up with, um, you know, racism was was still an overtly big thing when, when he was chasing Babe Ruth. And there were a lot of people who were rooting against him to surpass Babe Ruth. And Hank Aaron eventually was surpassed by Barry Bonds, who got pharmaceutical help. So to a lot of people, including myself, Hank Aaron remains the true king uh, in, in baseball in terms of home runs. I don't want to be like, and I know you say that the Lebetsart show has made me a cynical person, but I saw a bunch of people my age, you know, putting these tributes on social media to Hank Aaron. And I, of course, it's terrible. The home run legend, one of the baseball's all-time great hitters. It's incredibly sad. He, he lived a good life. I'm sure his family is in a lot of pain right now. But I always, you know, my friend Steve, who I went to high school with, when he's posting a long post about Hank Aaron, and I'm just like, Am I a jerk for bringing that up? Like being cynical that someone my age, like for you, like you're an older guy, right. like you grew up watching Hank Aaron. So like, yes. like when Tiger Woods, knock on wood, like, I don't know why I'm picking him out. Someday <laughs> passes on like that is going to be like, oh my God, my childhood. Like, you know what I mean? But when Hank Aaron dies, yes, I feel for his family. It's terrible when anyone dies, but I'm in my backyard. I don't know if you just heard someone yell. But, I uh, Who was I don't, that, by the way? It was just some random person um, running by, <laughs> but uh, I, they agreed with me, actually. I think they were running by like, that's a good point you're making. Yeah, you but that right. My point is like, I don't know. And today's not the day for this. What am I doing? You're right. I'm turning into Dan Lebetard. I'm taking this conversation to a place. I should have just let you praise him and move on. But I just see these people. And it happened with Larry King. I know you that that's another one that uh, you wanted to mention. And he has ties to Miami. Um, 
I get very cynical when I see like people having to post on social media about these type of deaths where I'm like, did you just have to let me know how much you liked Hank Aaron? Cause I don't believe that you're genuinely hurt as much as your Facebook posts. Yeah. I'm cynical. I'm a jerk. No, no. Uh, I, I think you do make a point. Uh, I, I think when, when you're somebody who never saw Hank Aaron play and, and knows nothing about Larry King other than who he was, uh, you're not really qualified to uh, have sympathy in a way that somebody is who sort of lived those persons. And, and I grew up with Hank Aaron and Willie Mays as heroes of mine. And Larry King, uh, way back in the late 50s and through the 60s, uh, when I was just beginning to listen to local radio, uh, he got his start in Miami radio. I don't know how well known that is. Now, it ended in controversy when he was arrested for some sort of a a, a white collar crime or something and lost his job. So his Miami years ended in controversy, but still he went on to become a, a, a true broadcasting legend with CNN. And uh, it all started in Miami. So I just think for me personally, and to your point, uh, I grew up with these two guys. I'm, I'm not reading about them on Wikipedia. I lived their lives and their careers. And so Hank Aaron and, and Larry King passing uh, meant enough to me where I did want to give it a mention today. I am going to crush this Mount Greg Moore. Okay, I doubt that. I mean, listen. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I was very disappointed by last week. I'm going to be honest with you. You better bring it, boy. Let's get it. Oh, welcome back. It is Chris's Mount Greg Moore, and we are making a change right off rip. No honorable mention. That's right. I am doing oh. just five. This is Mount Greg Moore. I mean, you do it on an honorable mention. Oh. I don't have to. Awful. Bad there start. There it is. Change number one. Shortening, tightening the shit up. Just, you know, editing. Um, number five. Oh, wait. See, I did this again. Gosh darn it. I, I started it without even, like, telling you what my topic was again. Yes, Damn did. it. I'm going to get this right. My third time doing it. I will give you the topic before I begin. My topic is my top five lists my top five lists of all time okay number five craigslist it was just ahead of its time you can search stuff i haven't even used it that much but it just and when i came when i decided list was going to be my topic you can't have a list of lists without having craigslist number four traditionalists i like people and dad you're a traditionalist yes I like people that have traditions. I like, you know, the same meals on this holiday every year. I like, you know, meeting this friend at this bar every year around this time as guy with a bass drives by my neighborhood. Um, I like traditionalists. How's this going so far? Better than last week. Wow. I th- <laughs> All right. Number three, checklists. I like a good checklist. When it comes to work, I like to make for every, at the beginning of every week, what do I want to accomplish work-wise this week? And quite frankly, this damn segment is becoming a check, something I have to put on a checklist every other week, and I don't like doing it. But uh, I like a good checklist. I like a shopping list. Shopping list didn't make my list of lists, but I put that in the checklist category. So I'm including shopping lists in the checklist category. I like a good checklist. Number two panelists i've wow. never i've never been a panelist before the closest thing i've done to being a panelist was when i was a panelist 
at the Father's Day 790 the ticket a uh, sad little uh, luncheon that they had at some steakhouse where you and me went and Roy went and Billy and I think his dad went and we just yes. took questions from like 13 people about being a, like about I don't know it was weird it was awkward do you remember that I do remember that. That was sort of fun in a weird sort of way. No, it wasn't fun. It was awkward. That's okay. the closest. Because like the only reason I felt like a panelist is because I was sitting in front of a group of people on like a director's style chair and I had a mic in my hand. Like I feel like that that's the definition of being a panelist right. kind of thing. You've been a panelist, I bet, a couple times. Uh, I have been a panelist. I don't like being a panelist because it always sounds like the word paneling, like wood paneling in a den. So it's a little uncomfortable for me. All right. Wordplay. Thank you, Greg Cody, for li- okay. for livening up this uh, Mount Gregmore. And number one, my number one list is a stylist. Now, I'm somebody who has always wanted to have good style. I don't have good style. And I would love to get to the point in my life where I could have a stylist. Because I'd like to be that guy that walks into a place and people are like, oh, nice. That, that guy's cool. You know what I mean? I, I'm very, you know plain Jane very uh, I have Greg Cody's sense of style of just I'm going to <laughs> at very best be very under the radar and no one's going to notice me at the very best and I wish I could have a stylist so that's it that's my list of, of lists my top five lists you know what I'm going to congratulate you I think that was a genuine legitimate effort by you I think it was 100% better than last week's half that took me like that took me like 15 minutes to do and I did it like 20 okay. minutes ago but but the lack of an honorable mention will haunt you. Well, it won't. And, it's um, not coming back. Every week, anytime I do it. And by the way, I wasn't kidding. I hate this. Can we just go back to you doing it every week? <laughs> no, no, you're committed now. You're in. You're in 100%. All right. We're gonna, every other week, it's going to be a Chris Cody. Yay. Uh, Mount Gregmore. But can I say something? I no. have a perfect. Uh, no, I have a perfect honorable mention that should have been uh, at the at the caboose of your uh, thing, you ready to do it? All right, your list, your, your category was lists, right? Right. Okay. Honorable mention: Franz Liszt, the Hungarian composer of the 19th century. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Greg Cody killed the Mount Gregmore segment. Greg Cody killed the radio show. <laughs> yes. Hey, by the way, uh. I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad you started singing that because Andrew Streeter. Uh, sang that parody and we played it on last week's episode check it out if you haven't yeah and we forgot to mention his bona fides andrew streeter won a suey award for that song yeah how about that i mean he he had bangers man it's funny because him and yeti have this uh this rivalry and yeti had i think more songs more nominees last year but streeter came home with the hardware so uh I, I, I know that they have a podcast together, those two, but I just know that there's resentment at the at the core of both of their hearts when it comes to each other. Yeah. We're going to have to pit them in some form. Mm-hmm. We'll work that up. We're going to have to have a contest between the two of them. Make them enemies or something. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Maybe we should do that. Get Flem and M involved. Just do like a whole song. You know what? I'm going to put that on the back burner. We got a busy episode. Well, the episode's over. We're about to wrap up, but right. we should do that in the future. We should. That's a good idea by you. All right. We're wrapping it up. Um, we've talked Super Bowl matchup. Uh, we love that uh, Robert Simmons, the Whistler, the oh. Whistler. How about that Super Bowl matchup, though? I'm excited for that. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. And we would say that even if it wasn't. But it's a beautiful thing. And um, as always, podcast family, thank you all for joining us. 
Uh, you've been great. We've been great. We've all been great. Let's be great together. We'll see you next week. What could we possibly do to keep this hitting streak alive when you have a snuggler and a whistler on in like, I know it's not back-to-back episodes, but in recent episodes, like what's I mean, next? What, what could, what be, could next? be next? I mean, am I dreaming here? Dare I say it? Let's have a garbage man on. <laughs> do it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.